well. We're back. It's a phrase that I've heard a lot the last several months as people returned to living again when the vaccination started to take hold. So we decided to name our worship series in August. We're back as our effort to bring back the ministries, the gifts, the activities that the pandemic has limited and or taken away from us all together. I was really proud of myself as this week I got my sermon done early and then the new CDC guidelines came out and I had to rewrite my sermon. So I've been joking this week that I need to rename this series. We're back, kinda. Uh, Kathy Toms even redid our image graphic that we use for this series that we threw on the internet that we're back. And then on the end of the word back, she's hung a mask <laughs> to remind us that, yeah, we gotta be a little careful still. So if you check out the data, Hamilton County is listed as someone that is in the substantial area of transmissions of cases. So the CDC guidelines is now recommending to us that the vaccinated and the unvaccinated together need to consider wearing masks indoors wherever there's high or substantial COVID-19 transmission. Now the state of Indiana is not gonna require masks and neither are we but we're gonna invite you to use common sense. Probably wise to put on a mask when you're in dense crowds indoors. And please don't be offended if somebody sitting right next to you decides to put on a mask, okay? So we've lived with this virus now for over 18 months. We know a lot more about it than we did when we started. We also learned that we're still dealing with this virus in real time and so new data keeps coming and we keep learning new things and we keep having to make adjustments. But here's, I think, what we know right now. If you're vaccinated, even if you might experience a breakthrough infection of the Delta variant, you're likely gonna live, you're likely not gonna be hospitalized. The best data we have says that 97% of all COVID hospitalizations and 99% of all COVID deaths are people who are not vaccinated. So take heed. And we've learned now that it's possible to spread the virus even if you have been vaccinated, probably at a reduced slope, but not for certain. And so we could still affect, infect an unvaccinated person or a child who can't get a vaccination yet. So probably the best reason to get vaccinated or take the appropriate precautions, whichever you choose, is to make sure that we don't allow this virus to mutate to the point that it gets beyond our vaccinations. I would make an argument that wearing a mask in the right places makes sense because that's how we love our neighbor right now in this situation. But more than anything, boy, let's please love one another. Let's have grace for each other. No matter what you think about these things, let's, let's don't let this stuff become so politicized that we can't do the loving and caring thing which God has called us to do. So how many of you have been watching the Olympics? Did you happen to see the interview with Caleb Dressel after he won the 100-meter freestyle. And they, because, of course, his family can't be there with the transmissions up so high in Japan, NBC had set up with Universal Studios down in Orlando a special watch party. It's got families there uh, each night of the, of the Olympics, each day as well. And uh, so they had his family, and so they could connect with each other. And if you saw it, it was such an emotional release 
And you heard Caleb Dressel just break down crying. Here's this man who's just won. He's on top of the world and he's crying partly out of happiness, but also partly out of just the relief of the stress that he's been through, all that we've been through. And, and his comment was, it's been a hard year. And I thought, boy, that that's kind of expresses it for all of us, doesn't it? It's been a hard year. It's been an emotional year. It's been a stressful year. So more than anything, as people of faith, let's try to be kind to one another. Let's try to be loving. Let's try to express that. But one thing I do know, I still think, regardless of the challenges that are before us, we've got to get back. I don't know how you, how you are, but I'm tired. And I'm ready to live again. And we got children who need discipling. That's why we're bringing back our children's ministry. And you just can't do that through a TV screen, especially the younger they are. It just doesn't work for them. Our spirits need worship. And there's that element of that spiritual connection. You just can't capture that on a live stream, can you? There's something about being together, being in the presence of God's people. And we need that inspiration that comes with voices being blended. I, I'm so excited to hear the choir back for the first time in a long time. And we need that real face-to-face -face fellowship that comes through human touch. That's why we're having an ice cream social afterwards. We hope that you stick around and enjoy one another as we have a little bit of ice cream and a cookie. So this month, we're coming back. We're bringing back the gifts of ministry that are essential to our spiritual growth but we're going to do so with common sense precautions. We're going to keep in touch with those who have compromised immune system, make sure that they still uh, know the church is there for them. That live stream is going to be there for us, depending on whatever happens, so that you can connect and engage no matter what's going on in your life. We're going to encourage masks in places where it seems to make the most sense, where it's most possible to transmit the virus. We'll wear masks around our children until they can get vaccinated. And most of all, we're just going to live with grace toward one another. But what I want to do today is focus on the community, the sense of community, and offer us a compelling reason to gather together in person. And I understand that the world has been changing even before the pandemic. I, I was reading about people relying more on live streams and, and getting their spiritual content in different ways for a long time, even before the pandemic hit, and that just speeded up the process. But I think our scripture is probably more relevant than ever. Let us consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. You hear that? Sparking love. There's something about gathering together that sparks love, that generates. God does something when we are together. Now, this was written, this passage was written when they had a different threat. It wasn't the threat of a virus, but as the threat of persecution. And so it got so it was dangerous to go to church. You could lose your livelihood. You could even lose your life. And so some just chose not to meet. Some chose to just fall away from the faith. And so this passage was written to remind them that somehow you've got to find a way. Because we need each other to be what we're called to be. But here that that writer was not trying to instill guilt, so don't ever let this passage be used to instill guilt. It was set out of love. 
was stated to help people know that, yeah, we've got to find a way to be together. I came across a New York Times article by Adam Grant, and he makes a profound case for coming together. Adam is an organizational psychologist at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. He's a host of the TED podcast, Work Life, and the author of Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. And in the article, he talks about something the pandemic took from us that we may not even realize. He says that people tend to think that emotions exist primarily in our own heads. We think in such individual terms, and we fail to understand that emotions are inherently social. They're woven through our interactions. And he states, research has found that people laugh five times as often when they're with others than when they're alone. Do you hear that? People laugh five times more often when they're with others. And we know that's true, don't we? He makes the comment, yeah, you can watch a comedy on Netflix and you'll laugh and enjoy. You can binge that to your heart's content, but you'll never experience the peak happiness that God intends. Peak happiness is mostly a collective activity. He says we find our greatest bliss in moments of collective effervescence. I love that term. You say it with me? Collective effervescence. Pretty cool. It actually was coined by Emile Durkheim early in the 20th century to describe the sense of energy and harmony people feel when they come together in a group for a shared purpose. Before COVID, research showed that more than three-fourths of people found collective effervescence at least once a week. And almost one-third experienced it every single day. And of course, that's been shut down mostly. They felt it when they sang in choruses or ran in races. In quieter moments of connection at coffee shops or in yoga classes. And as some countries have reopened, we've started to experience that once again. It's a little different though, isn't it? Don't have quite the freedom that we had before, but we're working at it. But just getting out of the house isn't a guarantee that you're going to experience. You've got to be with people. Psychologists find that in cultures, psychologists find that in cultures where people pursue happiness individually, they may actually become lonelier. But in cultures where they pursue happiness socially through connecting, caring, and contributing, people are more likely to gain well-being. So when I listen to that article that Adam Grant writes, when he talks about collective effervescence, it reminds me a lot of what the biblical writer says, sparking love and good deeds. And boy, isn't the church full of opportunities? afraid I kick something when I want There we to. go. Little wind cover. So think about that. What are the places where you have the chance to experience collective effervescence? Experience it when voices blend and beautiful music in the choir. When sunshine friends gather, let me know. If you're a volunteer that you know, there's just instant joy as those special needs adults come so excited to be together once again. We're gathering on a Monday morning praying for the stated needs of our congregation 
each and every week. Or washing vegetables here at the wash pack on the Teeter Farm, knowing that food is going to go feed hungry people throughout Hamilton County. I've even watched it happen in staff meetings where we've come up with some, some kind of new idea that we think helps bring transformation. And it happened not because someone had the idea, it just came together through that serendipity of the group. And my, do I love those holy hugs from people who are full of love. We thrive on that human touch. So we need Christian community now more than ever. This pandemic has so isolated us that we've all kind of experienced a low level of PTSD. Pastor Jill's gonna, I think, describe it as cocooning here a little bit. The gift of community provides us safe places to recover from the hard things we've endured. And my hope is that the church can be that for us now. That's why we're back. We're back together. Let's pray. Lord, may your blessings come to us. May we find the safe places to gather together and rediscover that collective effervescence to spark love and good deeds, to find that shared purpose. We know that's where the real happiness comes, and that's what our faith offers. May we be that church for others. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Well, the summer before my sophomore year of college as a student at Butler, I signed up for that fun thing called summer school. Anybody done summer school? Oh, yeah, several of us. So for the first part of the summer, I had several friends in the dorm who were going through the same thing. But later in the summer, it was a more difficult time for me as most of my friends left for home or to their places where they go after school is over. So I oftentimes found myself alone in the dorms. One particularly lonely Sunday afternoon, I found myself feeling sad and isolated. I decided to attend an evening church service to see if I could bring myself out of my funk. And when I arrived, I was greeted warmly by the pastor and was made to feel part of the community immediately. We sang songs, we heard a meaningful message, and we prayed together. Well, today, this pastor is one of my colleagues and friends who serves at a church in Indianapolis. And whenever I see her, I thank her for making a lonely college student feel seen and valued as part of a faith community that particular night. It impacted me more than I had realized at the time. It was in that moment that I realized just how important the gift of community is in each of our lives. The author of the letter to the Hebrews wrote to a group of early Christians, as Pastor Jerry said, in a time of persecution and suffering. They were losing hope, and in their struggles, they turned into themselves instead of outward. They were not willing to be vulnerable enough to embrace one another as true community. So instead of gathering together, they thought it was enough to go it alone. Well, during the long months of the pandemic, especially during times of isolation and quarantine, we saw people struggle over time to connect. At first, a lot of us made a point to reach out and stay connected to people in our lives and our loved ones. But over time, I felt like it became habit that we just didn't reach out as much anymore. 
I definitely feel that some of the friendships that I have had over the years will probably never be the same because of COVID. Many of us saw the cocooning effect take hold as we fell into that habit of withdrawing and isolating ourselves. The term cocooning was first coined by the marketing consultancy Faith Popcorn, I like that, Faith Popcorn, in 1981. Cocooning <laughs> is the need to protect oneself from the harsh, unpredictable realities of the outside world. The phenomenon of cocooning has been described as a desire for a cozy, perfect environment far from the influences of a madding world. Doesn't that perfectly describe what happened during COVID, right? Technology, of course, has taken cocooning to a whole nother level as it has become so easy to live in physical isolation while maintaining contact with others through all the ways that we can electronically connect and COVID-19 fast-tracked this as we saw more and more of us use conference calls and electronic communication. I know that uh, Pastor Jerry and I are very Zoomed out. We have experienced more Zoom calls than we'd ever care to experience again in our lifetime, <laughs> right? But it just wasn't the same. It wasn't community. And so I realize that I'm in a time in my life now more than ever where we need community. And I have had uh, the opportunity to be a member of a primarily online community over the years called the Young Clergy Women International. When I became a pastor years ago, I was able to join. Now we are a group of clergy women from all around the world, all under the age of 40. We connect in many, many ways online. We resource one another, we support one another, and we share confidential parts of our lives. I would argue that this community is one of the strongest that I am a part of, and it is 99% online. But once a year, not since COVID, but once a year, we come together for a conference in person. And let me tell you, there's nothing quite like being in a room with this amazing group of women who even though we don't know one another personally, maybe we've met before once or twice, but we are all sisters in ministry. That collective effervescence takes hold. These are people who have had similar experiences, who share in the same struggles personally or professionally, and who have wisdom to share. We worship, we learn, and we fellowship together. The online community, while a key part of the organization, barely compares to the power of coming together and being in one another's presence. So the gift of community means that we come together and we share in one another's burdens. We uplift each other, encourage one another, and feed off one another's spirits. As a church, it is the spirit of God that connects us as we live, we worship, we pray, and commune together. As a church community, we have the opportunity to partake in the sacraments of baptism and holy communion. These means of God's grace are the pinnacle of what differentiates the church community from other forms of community that we might be a part of. So the church is where we come on equal footing before God each of us broken and standing in need of grace. 
Too often we are afraid to name our brokenness and need for repentance in the midst of community. We've gotten away from the idea that community is meant to surround one another in both times of success and times of failure. Those of us who are clergy have attended so many conferences where we hear success stories from pastors or churches doing all these wonderful things where growth is happening, programs and ministries and outreach are taking off. And if we as pastors aren't doing the same thing and having the same success, then we must be doing something wrong. I know I just don't speak for myself when I say that Sometimes instead of feeling uplifted by being in the presence of other clergy at these conferences, I leave feeling deflated and inadequate. Have you experienced this, Jerry? Yes, we all have. Perhaps that is why there is now a legit gathering called the Epic Fail Pastors Conference. <laughs> it's true. A safe place for clergy to talk about the process and inevitable reality of every pastor's life, and every person's life, by the way, failure. Where it's okay to admit our weaknesses and brokenness and a dose of humility so that God can really begin to use us for God's purposes. The first epic fail pastor's conference had over 100 people from 17 states sign up. There were moments of laughter, tears, and prayers. One of the retired pastors felt as if it was a kiss from God on our bruises. <laughs> so what would it look like for a new definition of community within the church to look like that? A kiss from God on our bruises. We are all coming out of this time of isolation, emerging from our cocoons, with the awareness that things are not the same as they once were. The gift of community offers us this safe space to acknowledge that we have all done hard things and will continue to do them together by the grace of God. <clears throat> On September 11, 2001, the world experienced one of its darkest days as the terrorist attack unfolded. And United States airspace was shut down. And hundreds of inbound flights needed a place to land. In Gander, Newfoundland, a town of 11,000 people, was one of those places. That day, 7,000 shaken and disoriented passengers arrived in Gander, nearly doubling the town's population. But the community did not see this as a hindrance. They saw it as an opportunity to help. So the entire town got involved by literally and figuratively opening its doors to the stranded passengers who never forgot the hospitality of this small Canadian town. All because the community came together and offered a safe space to those in need. Stories like this prove that we are stronger together. We need one another and not just from a distance. As a church, we have been given a second chance at defining what community really looks like. Think about that, a second chance. We are a group of people coming together to build one another up, to worship together, to accept one another, 
to partake in the sacraments, which we'll get to do this morning. So pray for one another and extend the grace of God to each and every person. Like the town of Gander, Newfoundland, the church community does not stop and ask if you are worthy of welcome and hospitality before you enter. The church community should be a place that welcomes you as you are and helps you become you. Bruises and all. Now more than ever, people need a place to belong, to be accepted, to be welcomed, to be in community. So what better place to belong than in the body of Christ, the church? What a gift we have to offer. So may it be so. Amen. Amen.